day and welcome back, friends, for another podcast with Kingdom Story. Uh, I'm here with my partner in crime again, John. John, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Brandon. <laughs> Good to be here. Yeah, well, you know, so today's uh, podcast, we're getting back or we're getting into our series, a new series on leadership. Um, you know, we've recognized through the course of our work and through the current state of the world uh, that leadership is a hot button topic right now. In fact, we just see that leadership doesn't seem to be doing very well at all um, around the world. I don't think people really understand leadership or have a, a center for how they can uh, how they can model leadership or even evaluate it. You know, so we've started this particular series on leadership that will cousin cover about a dozen different topics. You know, and I think many people are wondering what good leadership is. You know, how they could be a good leader and what it would be like to be led. You know, by good leaders. And, you know, there are hundreds of books and podcasts and videos that talk about leadership, and we aren't trying to reinvent the wheel, but we do want to stimulate our thinking, right? We... And as we talk about leadership, we want to weave together a few things. We want to weave together our personal stories, you know, both John and mine's personal story, but to bring in your personal story, to bring in the cultural story, um, and at least one biblical story, and to see how these all kind of speak to each other and how God's story really comes over the top as we explore each topic. Um, you know, in each of these leadership um, topics, actually, you're going to start with the letter C. Um, John, why is that? <laughs> Well, uh, Brandon, if you know me in my past, uh, back in the old days, I used to love alliterations. I had seven C's. The old four, days. Yeah. <laughs> I got converted to story. So, but uh, I, most of these C's came from a couple of books on leadership and church leadership. Uh, Reggie McLean was one of the authors, Eddie Gibbs, from years back. And I've added a few, so that's kind of where they came from. Yeah, okay. It, it'll give us a nice you know, thread to walk through. But our first topic of the series is going to going to be Christ-centered leadership. And John, why, why are we starting here? Yeah, good question. I mean, and, and at one level, when you think about the globe spinning, there's an axis, you know, to understand the axis, obviously, is helps to understand everything else. And so I think um, leadership has to have a center. That's one of my, my points is that, and that point has to be something beyond yourself. Your leadership will revolve around something besides yourself. You may have heard the phrase, you know, people are just born leaders, as if there's something just inherent in yourself that's all you need to center your leadership on. But it, no, no, no. Leadership has to be nurtured. That's the other side of the argument, of course. But that nurture has to involve real people and real experiences outside of ourselves. And I think part of that is because more than anything, we are imitators. That's mm. what it means to be human. And so I've got a new grandson named Zeke. And, uh, you know, it's so fun. My son has re been remodeling his house. And even at, you know, one years old, he's just learning to walk. He's got his own little tool set set for Christmas. He's got this plastic hammer and he's walking around imitating his dad. He wants to do what his dad is doing. And I think we all have stories like that. And so consciously or not, you know, we, we model ourselves. We center our leadership uh, on these most important relationships we have with other leaders. And that could, of course, be parents or bosses or coaches. I mean, there's a variety of people. And so, and so for better or for worse, these experiences with these different leaders uh, 
invite themselves, plant themselves in the center of what it means for us to be and do leadership. Mm. And so basically anybody who wants to, you know, to be a, uh, an influential leader, you have to, and you know you have to, you know, center it on something uh, and someone besides yourself. So you're going to look for ways, you know, to find uh, relationships with people who will lead you well. You know, and to the degree that that happens, you will center yourself in good leadership. So that's my practical point number one: is pay attention to who leads you, especially experientially. But who are your heroes? Mm. I think the second point related to this is that you know what we're talking about here is Christ-centered leadership. So we are going to have a center. Well, we say no. We want Christ to be the center of your leadership. And as a disciple, as somebody who is committed to being like Jesus in every way, of course, my center is going to be Jesus. Christ. I mean, it's kind of like the Sunday school answer. It's always the answer of Jesus. <laughs> so in the first place, you know, you have this Genesis, uh, excuse me, Matthew 23, 11 that says, don't be called a leader for one is leader. You, one is a leader that is, you know, uh, Christ himself. And so as a disciple, my first step in leadership, if I'm a disciple of Jesus, I'm admitting I'm really not the leader. Right. That's unique right. compared to the leaders of this world. And the second place is that is that Jesus, I have to view Jesus, Brandon, as somebody that is not just the distant son of God, you know, or the compassionate shepherd. Actually, he's the greatest leader that ever lived. Mm. Right. And maybe the world doesn't agree with that because he doesn't do this enough or he wasn't that enough or, you know, they, their standards of leadership are different. But at my core, I'm modeling after Jesus. I want to be a leader. And so I am going to be doggedly determined to know and model the leadership example of Jesus. And so you just you go through the Gospels, Brandon, and you just and you read about how does he deal with his disciples? How does he lead them? How does he lead people that he meets for the first time? How does he, quote unquote, engage and confront and lead amongst the religious leaders? How is he led by his father? So as I, you know, as we study and you and I have done this with Kingdom Story over the years and we evaluate our own assumptions as we look at his life, what did he do as a leader? What did he not do? Who did he lead? You know, what was important to him as a leader? How did he lead differently in different situations? What was the priority for him? What was secondary as a leader? Where did he get his strength and courage? These are the kind of questions, Brandon, that we can bring to the life of Jesus in our own journey to make him our center. Yeah, well, it, it, that's really good, John. I mean, not only to to learn about Jesus, but you know, but certainly making Jesus our center is is more than an intellectual exercise, right. right? Otherwise, it would be no different than me studying like Martin Luther King's life, if I wanted to be an effective leader in racial reconciliation. You know, I I need to model after somebody, right? Right, and there's something again. It's just, just like <clears throat> if I had given my son Zeke a manual about how to use a hammer, it wouldn't have been very effective. It was watching his daddy, <laughs> right? And so it's the same thing. Is so what what we're what we're talking about here is that what will be center in our life is more than what we believe, but is what we have experienced in relationship. So that's a real question is how do we live in a relationship with Jesus, who is the only true leader? Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, so I just the, the takeaway and the point, I mean, as you've just asked in that question is, is that leadership must be centered around a relationship, a relational model, uh, you know, of, of with Jesus, where you can model leadership and we can learn about it and experience him as our leader. And it seems like that is a lifelong journey, right? Yeah, absolutely. But, um, but at the same time, it sounds a, a pretty straightforward. 
Yeah, just uh, walk with Jesus and watch him and then do what he did. You know, the WWJD that we, you know, what would Jesus do? The problem is, in that that simple model, is that it overlooks the reality that we all see Jesus, as Paul said, in a mirror dimly. Mm. We only see him in part. And sometimes we see him in a distorted way and experience him in a limited way. And so then we we can land, you know, on that is what it's going to mean for me to be a leader. And we only take a part or we take a distorted part of his leadership. And so part of the journey, I think, over time, that journey is a disruptive journey. It's allowing Jesus to meddle with my misperceptions and change my paradigms. And, and in, our, in our kingdom story um, on John 13, um, it's such a beautiful example of how, how Christ understands that his disciples need a little bit of that meddling. You know, they've been living you know, with him for three years. Uh, they've watched him. They've been led by him. And here he is now on the night before he's going to die. I mean, he uh, and the, our story starts with him having so many options of what he could be thinking about or doing. But here he is. He's choosing to be with his disciples and to celebrate a last Passover meal together. And so... Th- he knows so well, he's already experienced this in their muddling the last three years, that they believe that real leadership means, hey, you need to have power and privilege and sit at the right and sit at the left. And, uh, and at that night, Jesus, knowing this and wanting to give him an experience of, uh, of Christ-centered leadership, he puts Peter at the end of the table at the lowest position of privilege with the expectation that he would wash the feet of all the disciples. And what a message that was to everybody, because Peter was supposed to be the future leader uh, of the church when he left. And to say, no, this is, the, this is my way. Christ-centered leadership means that the first will be last, that the greatest will be least. So with Peter unwilling to wash feet and to accept a Christ-centered paradigm, if you want to use that language, Jesus begins by standing up, putting the towel around his waist, and washing their feet. And this was shocking. Again, this is probably a familiar story to most of us. Shocking um, as he was changing the paradigm, uh, the center of leadership. And so he comes um, wanting to, in some ways, leave them with a a way of thinking about Christ-centered, you know, leadership with him at the center, he could have just taught Brandon. He could have done a, you know, an alliteration, the seven C's, <laughs> you know, on, but what he's, no, I, he goes, what I need to do is in the context of my relationship with him, I need to set an example. And only in that would, can I begin to meddle with their paradigms. And I think that's true for our own lives. Only as we come against and um, our own misperceptions and, and are led by people who are challenging our paradigms will we be catapulted on this journey to make Christ more and more the real center of our leadership. Yeah, you know, I mean, by washing their feet, Jesus you know, was upending the cultural expectation. Totally. And I think it's, it's relatively easy to see that as we see the, the king of the universe kneeling down and washing feet. But there's so much more within this story yeah. that also just show. I mean, that was... It, that was more culturally unacceptable for rabbis to do certain things, you know, let alone the, the, the son of man um, to do this and, and been challenging their, their expectation of leadership. And I mean, unfortunately they still had this misperception all the way up until they, you know, received the spirit as their Lord, are you now going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Yes. Right. I mean, they, they <laughs> wasn't easy. Doesn't mean um, it's overnight. You're thank right. you for Jesus's patience in this, you know, but it, he does up in their idea of, of leaders being first and to use their power, you know, for their own glory. And I think that's a temptation that 
that leaders face today as well. Hmm. Um, yeah. Is there another, can you point out another cultural value of leadership that Jesus challenged? Sure. And yeah, sure. And again, there's certainly more than two and we could spend the whole podcast just looking at this, but it's helpful just to kind of get a little momentum of how this operated in Jesus's ministry. Remember the story that after uh, Jesus washed the feet of, of the first disciples, he came to Peter and Peter says, uh-uh, you aren't going to wash my feet. <laughs> and Peter, you know, uh, you know what that means, taking a hard stand. And Jesus could have said, you know, well, gosh, I just really want Peter to like me. <laughs> okay, Peter, I won't wash your feet. Or, you know, uh, I'm not going to rock the boat any further. I'm going to, I don't want everybody to be mad at me. Whatever it is, there's so, but, but, but Jesus does the untraditional thing in leadership is he's willing to be misunderstood. He's willing to be rejected. He says, Peter, if I don't wash your feet, you can have no part of me. It's a hard word, a hard truth. And so there's an example of him breaking the pattern of typical, you know, leadership, the practice of being more safe, of what, you know, making sure that you don't rock the boat, etc. And so, again, um, as with Jesus, you know, we too face um, uh, the, these expectations of our organization or our culture or the norms that say you should only do this as a leader. You, you must do this or you be careful not to do that. And these run so deep at times in us because they've been our experience. They've been reinforced that they're not easy to break. Right. I mean, Eve, we've talked about it already in this. I mean, you can know the teachings and examples of Jesus. You can read a thousand books <laughs> on this. You can know it in our head. But if no one is actually living that out in a yeah. way that we can see, that we can be inspired by, you know, it's doubtful. I mean, extremely doubtful. I've seen it, <laughs> you know, a number of times that it won't take root, um, especially if it's counterculture, especially yep. if it goes against yep. our flesh, if it even put, you know, puts our self-preservation at, at risk. John, let's circle back for a second to the point that Jesus, you know, mingles his example of servant leadership in the context of his relationship with those that he's leading, with you know, with the disciples. Yep. He brings together an inspirational experience with his teaching um, that they should be servant leaders. Right. Yeah. Again, we're going back here to the method of how does Christ become the center, you know, of our of our of our leadership. And again, I want to just, you know, come back to the point is that we are imitators first and foremost. And that's not only true for Jesus and his disciples. They wanted to imitate Jesus. We, too, are imitators. I mean, the large point about the reason Jesus put skin on and came down here well, to be that's with it. us is so we could see what God looked like. Exactly. The whole God point of Christmas and the incarnation. Mm, Absolutely, yeah. Brian. So what about you, John? Who has been the leader that you have imitated, an inspiration to your leadership, someone who has helped you make Jesus more central? Yeah. When I was in college, Brandon, uh, my first young life leader um, was Bob Krulish. And Bob came alongside my life when I was, again, a, a sophomore and, and, and dealing with some major, you know, life issues and challenges, especially related to the performance in my studies. And he one day told me that he was praying that I would get a B. <laughs> I was so driven to get an A and, I, I, and everything that I did. And he could see that it was an idol in my life. And nobody had done anything but just affirm my academic you know, success or whatever. And, uh, and so that was the first time that anybody had spoken a word that would challenge my paradigm and make me think about my sin or repentance or something that had become too important. And yeah, I'm a naturally a challenging person. My personality was easier for me to adopt that. But I don't know how long it would have taken me to discover 
discover that aspect of leadership. Mm. Asking a challenging question in the context of love, if Bob hadn't modeled that in my life and my relationship with him. And so, yeah. Yeah, what about an example from your life where a leader inspired you to lead like Christ led others? Ah, well, I would say uh, one example would be is uh, my, my area director after Bob Krulish, uh, Jim Brown. Jim, Jim showed me kind of the uh, the opposite, I don't know, the the uh, the other pole, so to speak, of Bob's leadership. Is Jim always took time to be interested in my life. We didn't just do the task. We didn't talk just about the ministry. He always was interested in my family or in my walk with the Lord or whatever was going on in my life. We always had time for that. And that's another part, you know, that I, uh, that has had, uh, at different levels in the last 30, 40 years has just been part of how I've led with others is, yeah, I'm interested in getting the kingdom stuff done with them and partnering, but I'm also naturally wanting to know about their lives. And so that's been, that's been another example. Yeah, I can, I mean, and that's gone on, I think, and passed on in the generations as you've worked with me and modeled that exact same, you know, leadership trait. I, how many times I've apologized for interrupting a busy day where we've taken 45 <laughs> minutes to talk about something that's spinning in my head that just seems, you know, whether there was time or not, you took the time, you know, in order to do that. And I mean, that holy interruptions, I think mm. that Jesus tells us to be, or <clears throat> models for us to be to be ready for. I mean, he could be interrupted at any moment. And there well, was that's where the, the the juice was was in the interruption. <laughs> you think about read the gospels through the lens of the leader being interrupted. Right, right. And some of the greatest <laughs> leadership lessons come from those moments. So, and I'm sure there's times I fail, but I've really enjoyed that part of our relationship yeah. too. Brian. Well, and it's it's gone on for me where I've you know it's not a natural part of my. I'm very efficient in what I do. <laughs> I want to get to the task and get it done, um, but trying to pause and take time to really a be interrupted but also to check in with people and say how is how's how's it going in your life uh, before we get to the other things and right. to realize that that matters you know to Jesus that matters to me and it matters to leadership that we, that we just take time to check in you know with people well and you think about Jesus living with people the disciples for three years or the woman in Mark 5 he heard her whole story you know there's so much in the gospels that isn't included but I just imagine him modeling that and I saw that in Jim Brown that Jesus took the time to hear stories and to you know and to the details of their lives some of us have been watching that series called The Chosen yeah you know it's a great example of the stuff that the gospel didn't have room to include right. <laughs> that he just lived with them and got to know them and in their everyday life so yeah well, as we conclude, I think we have some, you know, some final thoughts or, you know, some summary thoughts about this and even just some words of encouragement for those that are listening. And, you know, that just to reiterate that it, it will be our experiences and our relationships with other leaders that will be at the heart of our leadership, you know, consciously or unconsciously, we're going to take on their passions and practices of leadership that will be hard to break. I know this very much in the bosses that I had before you okay, before I was, I was, you know, walking in the kingdom like this it's a very different type of leadership and one i had to get used to um one i didn't i didn't quite understand but i know that had i continued under that that's mm. how that's how i would be leading but mm. now because of what has been modeled for me um this is this is how i lead mm. you know that's good. That's good. You know, I, I think uh, another thought, you know, as we uh, we go from here is, to, so if I'm committed to a Christ-centered leadership, you know, where I'm going to pivot around him, then I need to find and look for groups and organizations that have people uh, who lead 
with the characteristics of Christ. They may or may not intentionally call themselves Jesus followers. You can find servant leaders, you know, even outside the, quote, body of Christ. But I'm looking for putting myself under the leadership of those kinds of people. Yeah. And I think and alongside of that, on the other side would be is just to be aware of my own life, you know, what I've accumulated over the past, the values of the culture that have affected my sense of what leaders should or shouldn't do. When I realize through the examples of others, through uh, the, the conviction of the Spirit or by looking at the life of Christ, if I realize, oh, whoa, whoa, I've taken on some baggage, I've taken on the cultural misperception then here I have a chance to repent. I don't want to live with the constant awareness like the disciples. I'm probably carrying some misperceptions. Lord, continue to challenge me. And then I positively, I can turn around and go to the Gospels, read uh, books that are reflecting on the life of Christ or good leadership, and just use my imagination to picture him leading in, in, in a way that inspires me. I can bring in my questions. I can craft, you know, in a sense... Uh, a growing body of truth around who I think Jesus is and then experience that in my, and in my relationship with him as I let him lead me and as, and as he leads, I hope, through me with others. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that, I mean, there's a re, there's a reality here that the body of Christ, I mean, Paul talks about it, that there, we're all different parts of the body, you know, um, and I mean, all is in all around the world. And so, mm. I mean, the next summary thought I just want to talk about is for, for you to be, for us, for you to be well read and mm-hmm. to, be, to, to seek out um, other, you know, those, yeah. those podcasts and those YouTube videos um, of others and their thoughts and discoveries and particularly others that don't look like you, right. that yes. don't come from your culture that yep. don't come from your background because they're going to have a view of of Christ uh, uh, that you won't uh, that mm. you possibly can't because you just you just didn't experience life um, the way you did and you can see things that you wouldn't naturally see you can learn things and we we talked about it can't just be head knowledge I mean right. so being able to to see this model to try to live this out to know that that Jesus you know did come as a Jewish man in the middle in the Middle East and um, had a color to his skin. But he's also the God of the universe who created all of that, you know. And so um, we, we have to we have to do this with others. We have to be taught and led, you know, by others. And so uh, beyond just our podcast or other things that you read, I, we just encourage you to find other ways of being able to be exposed in, you know, mm-hmm. to the aspects of leadership and to see how others are leading in their different contexts because I, I guarantee that it'll be a huge help to, yeah. um, to your own leadership. Yeah, and measure, Paul seems to say, measure everything by the person of Christ. You know, as you encounter things in the world and even from Jesus followers or whatever, continue to give to come back to our center who is alone the you know the one true leader yeah lifelong journey yeah I mean there like, you know there are so many stories in the gospels that can help us you know learn about leadership the story that we talked about today you know that, that we focus on in the kingdom story to talk about servant leadership mm-hmm. and um, I think that really is the this focal point of what Christ came to do you know mm-hmm. no uh, no student is greater than his teacher yes. you know, no slave is greater than their master but I have done this so therefore you yes. um, you do that with others and I, I think for many leaders it's a hard pill to swallow and and one to model after so we encourage you as we walk this journey we've not figured it all the way out yeah. and uh, we walk it with you and continue to uh, 
to follow the master and do what the master did. And John, do you have any, any other final thoughts? No. Uh, thanks for just calling us together around this topic today, Brandon. And uh, may the Lord, uh, through his spirit, uh, lead us to make Christ the hub and the center more and more as we journey. I guess we're all a bunch of spokes. <laughs> and, and as we join fellow spokes, so to speak, around the hub of Jesus Christ as our leader. Yeah. Yeah, so we thank you for joining us today. You know, if you know that if there's somebody that you know that could really benefit from this, we ask that you share this, you know, share this podcast, this episode with them. We, we encourage you to, to like our Facebook page, to subscribe to us on YouTube, you know, check out our website and just see the things that, that we have going on there. We'd love um, we'd love your support in prayer. We'd love if there was something, other uh, other ways you'd love to partner with our ministry and to come alongside and to, to do the things that we do. Um, you know, we really want to see this story. We want to ignite um, this idea, this not idea, but we want to ignite a disciple making movement, you know, that really takes over the world. I mean, Jesus started it so many thousands of years ago, and we want to keep that going. So until next time, y'all, we hope you find your place in God's story. 